Is it on? Welcome to the Shant Show with your hosts, Curtis, Josh, Mario, and Jordan. We are back, and oh boy, does it feel so good. Um, You know... We took a couple weeks off for the holidays and then a couple weeks off for, you know, just, you know, we just, you know, it just happens. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and lie to y'all. Uh, it just happens. Listen, uh, if you come to us expecting regular good content, you're wrong on both fronts. You're not getting it regularly and you're not getting good content. I don't know why you're still here, but we're glad that you are. Welcome in to the Shant Show. Uh, <laughs> we're doing uh, a basketball episode. Boy, basketball is rough. Uh, <laughs> Coastal, 10 and 10 currently. Uh, we haven't talked about it for a while. Cliff Ellis, uh, as we discussed in our pre recording episode, is definitely Emperor Palpatine. And that's the only reason he has his job is that Matt Hogue is afraid he's going to crush his windpipe when he walks into his office. That's it. That's, that's, that's the whole reason. He obviously can't coach basketball. And uh, Coastal just keeps dealing with it because we've got Emperor Palpatine on, on campus. Like, what do you do? How do you, how do you fix that? So, as you all know by now, Josh is our go-to guy for basketball. He has been to damn near every game, if not every game. And I'm going to turn it over to him. Coastal Carolina sitting at 10-10 and 10 right now. It's not necessarily where we thought this team would be, but it's not the worst place that they can be Josh with 10 games remaining in the season. What are your hopes and and how have you taken in what's happened this season so far? So, yeah, like you mentioned, honestly, I was expecting us preseason to probably be like 13 and seven, 13 and six right now, but we're 10 and 10. Luckily the rest of the Sunbelt has been an absolute shit show. And we are currently two games back from first place in the Sunbelt conference. We got to four and we were two and four heading into the weekend in conference play. We won both our conference games. So you're like, that's great. Let's just stop it after Saturday. And then on Monday, we lose to one of the worst division one basketball teams in the country. Um, so it kind of ruined what was overall a great weekend. It wasn't the cleanest weekend of basketball, but I will say I did see a lot. The The number one thing that stood out really to Josh Duje went fed i mean that dude went crazy he had 26 on thursday which was his career high at app state and then he had 33 points on saturday which was a new career high and then on monday he had 26 points again that dude was dunking his three pointers automatic he's got the green light he's our best player currently now he's totally taken the role that we we all we've seen behind the scenes for a long time now and he's was doing this in high school i think he's finally gotten some of the reins and more the game slowing down for him but second thing that stood out and then i'll i'll give it to y'all but the crowd on thursday was incredible um the student section showed out coach nima um was going around campus in a chicken costume recruiting students to come to the game and i thought there was no way that was going to work i was expecting to see about 700 like we normally have and we were damn near full capacity on Thursday against App State. And I guarantee you that's the reason we won that game because the players were feeding off the energy of the crowd. It was electric. It was 
the second best atmosphere I've seen in my time being here other than that South Carolina game. And I guess that's just my message to the fan base is look what happens when you show out, look what happens when you support the team, they can sense it. So just please bring that back. And it showed me that on a Thursday night, there is potential for there to be a basketball atmosphere in HTC. Well, and it's free. Like, don't tell me you can't afford a ticket. It's literally a five minute walk from your dorm room. Go like kill two hours. I would much rather be face down drunk in the sand, but it's January. You know, like what are you, what are you doing? Go to the basketball games. It matters. It does. And it, it did matter. So like, don't try to tell me that it doesn't matter if you show up or not. Yeah. And, and, and you see what happened when this team played South Carolina last season, you see what happens when they played app state this season. Like it, matters this team feeds off of that energy and to say that they don't to say that it doesn't matter to say that oh well yeah yeah you're an asshole i'm sorry but like if you don't care about sports that's something different i i I totally understand taking someone who doesn't watch sports or doesn't care about sports and throwing them in htc is probably not a recipe for success but for those of you who Watch the NBA. For those of you who care about Coastal Carolina and care about Coastal Carolina athletics, even if basketball isn't your favorite sport, go to the game. Make an impact. And it's fun. Like I, I, I'm sorry to get up on a soapbox this early because I'll be up on one much later. <laughs> um, but like you, you see the instant impact. Jordan, this team continually, it's a lot like football season. We're riding a roller coaster. We were so high, two straight Sunbelt wins after being embarrassed right. by Georgia State. Let, let's call that what it is. One of the worst teams in the Sunbelt you got embarrassed by. Then you win two straight, and then you lose to Chicago State at home. This has all the makings of just like football season did, Jordan. You're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. How have you been coping with that roller coaster, and, and where do you expect the season to go from here? Well, I've been coping with it the best way I can. I mean, I get kind of sick when I get on a roller coaster, but, you know, I try my best not to throw up. But, I mean, Monday, I felt kind of like I did want to throw up because this was a team that was 4-15, and 4-16, and 16, I believe, and they came into HTC and, and beat us, and that shouldn't have happened. That was definitely a, a game we should have won. Um, but overall – you know, we talked about it before we even got on here. You know, we haven't even played with everybody, you know, in the starting lineup. So it's kind of difficult when you, you're you not getting everybody that to play because of injuries and things like that. But overall, I mean, before Monday night, I mean, I was feeling pretty good about this team. You know, we had just beat our arch rival. It was a close game first time we played them in Boone. We come back at HTC and beat them. And then we get South Alabama that comes in and we beat them. So I was feeling pretty good. Um, another thing, too, uh, it's not looking like uh, Emperor Palpatine is going to get his um, his bonus this year. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get the bonus this year. Um, but um, I just – I got to have a belief that, you know, we can continue to keep – we got to have to work past this loss and try to get back to where we were those two games. You know, like Josh said, Joshua Duje went crazy, and he's playing at an incredible rate right now. And we're going to need him to continue to keep doing what he's doing. And, you know, hopefully we can get Jamaru Brown back soon. 
And I feel like if we can get all those guys in in the starting lineup, then I feel like we have a chance. Um, we're still struggling with three-point shooting, but I still think that hopefully, you know, we can get better at it. A lot of three-point shots have gotten better the last two games. It's just Monday night. It's just felt like the rim it was a lid on the on the rim. So, but I feel confident going into these last ten games. And then going into the Sunbelt tournament, I do think that we can make a push and probably make some noise in that. And a guy that doesn't – this weekend was literally no different from what he's ever done. But a guy that doesn't get enough love as he should probably is Isam Mustafa. I mean, three double-doubles in three games this weekend, 2019-13, and then boards 11-13-10. And this dude is super constant. His lowest shooting percentage in those three games was 66%. He's really tuned in right now. And – like he's like that's what you're gonna get from him. He's not gonna go for thirty. He's probably not gonna go for five. He's gonna get you fifteen and ten every game, and he's been really constant. And I think that's really what it is. It's the consistency of the rest of the team. In these three games, it was Isama Josh, and then after that, it was a free for all. Antonio Day had like twenty points one night, and then the next night he had, I think, two points, but he also had like thirteen assists. So. The scoring, it's, we don't really know where it's going to come from. Will Akai one night, he's zero points. The next night, he gets 12. Kylan Blackman in two of these games, a guy that has been a, a bench guy most of the year. Against App State, he went crazy. He hit, he hit four threes in the last five minutes of the game and overtime included. On Monday, he hit like four or five threes as well. I think aside from Josh and Esam right now, when you don't have Jamaru Brown, it's really about consistency on offense and then just being straight up. Our defense just isn't really there. We allowed like 70 points to Chicago state. We're going to allow about 68 every time, which isn't terrible at all. It's about middling in the country and defense, but when you have so much offensive consistency, that's what I think it boils down to is if these guys aren't going to step up every night, they kind of look at each other to be like, Oh, is it your turn to step up? And we just don't really have the offensive um, identity. Yeah, the the key word you said there was consistency. Mario, I'm going to turn it over to you with that in mind. This is a team that has their anticipated on day one of the season. If you said, hey, here's our starting five, that group has never started a game together this season. It's hard to find a consistent basis, a consistent shooter, a consistent scorer for this team. How do you think that's impacting this team? And do you think they can get it corrected before we head into tournament play? Well, I think it's impacting them because we really don't have a guy that can actually do those things. Like you said, you know, this is a team that they haven't worked with each other. Like in the start of the season, there's been a bunch of injuries, like we've mentioned, um, a bunch of stuff going on. At first it was a it was Henry starting, and then Antonio Day came back. And Antonio Day hasn't played with Jamal Brown, which is a guy that they that he's played well all, like for almost like most of part of his life. And the fact that they can't be on the same court together, you know, it kind of sucks. But I just don't feel like I don't think the problem is consistent with consistency with talent. I think the problem is consistency with finding the rotation that you want and finding the starting five that you want. And I think that's the big consistency is like Josh said, they don't have an offensive identity. They don't know coaching does not know what to do with these players. They don't know who to start. They don't know who to bring in at what specific times. Like it it just doesn't feel like, not that it doesn't feel like a basketball team, but it doesn't feel like this team is 
go rising up to their expectations. Again, like the way Josh like talked about this team in the beginning of the year, the way he talked about them, this should be an easy 20-win team, but it ain't. You know, and there's problems with that. And the problem is consistency with everybody. It's just it's just ridiculous. Defensively, the past few games, I don't think we've been that great. Offensively, we've been pre- we've been better than what we were, but but regardless, we need consistency. And it's just something that's not happening. It's, and these last three games have been absolutely crazy. Like, I mean, we've talked about it. You know, we're comparing Cliff Ellis to Palpatine. Put it this way. We got, like, it's like we got, like, the, the little, the mini Sith Lords, right, that are about to become Sith Lords. And we beat, like, in App State, let's then Luke Skywalker. We beat him. And then South Alabama's whoever else you want to put, uh, Han Solo. And we beat him. It's like we beat those two guys, and then we lose to Jar Jar Binks. Or we lose to like C3PO. That's exactly what I'm comparing this to. Chicago State is C3PO, Jar Jar Binks. The people don't do nothing. That's exactly what they are. And we lost to them. We beat, we kicked the shit out of Luke Skywalker. We kicked the crap out of out of Han Solo. And we and we lose to somebody who doesn't do anything, like, like a Jar Jar Binks or like a C3PO. That, we we lost to some background character that showed up yeah. in the scene and never again. Like, yeah, like Facts. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and you know, I just I don't understand Mario. And we'll come to you here with the same question, Josh, because I know you'll have a, a really good, well thought out answer. Where do you think the problems lie? Is it with the players? Is it with the coaching staff? Is it with the program as a whole? I'm talking from Matt Hogue and and the support system around Coastal Carolina basketball. I know it's been hard to find consistency, but this team has talent. Where's the problem at? Well, uh, well, I'll say this. I know Josh and Jordan, they recently interviewed uh, John Sanders. I know they recently interviewed him. And in order to do that, to get them as much information as we could, we had to watch Last Chance You. And the one thing about Last Chance You, and it's almost like a, it's almost like a real movie. It's almost like these movies that they pick out. It's like the team's not where they're supposed to be. Well, the coach is the main reason why. And he ends up building them to where they want to be. Right now, it's both. Right now, the player, these players, they're not terrible. They're great. They're good players. It's not like they hate each other. I don't think they necessarily hate each other. Like they, they could play with each other, everything like that. They're probably, they're probably like friends, but they're not. It's not a brotherhood. That's the problem. There ain't no brotherhood here. I don't think. I don't think it's these guys coming together to complete one task. I don't think it's that. I just think it's hey, we got a game today. All right, let's go in there and let's play. I don't think it's. I don't think the coaches are doing what they need to do to bring the best out of these players. So if you want my answer, I think it's both. I don't think the players are doing their best, and I don't think the coaches are motivating them to do their best. I just think recently, especially with Coastal, and you can point to any sport you want to, they just go with the flow. They pick the same game plan that they that they ran for like over five years, and then they stick with it. You're never you're never gonna win that way. You have to be able to adjust. Some of the greatest champions, some of the greatest coaches of all time have been able to adapt. Even if they kept their plan, they've been able to adapt. They've been able to change. They've been able to do what they need to do to win. They've been able to do what they need to do to bring the best out of their players. And every single coastal sport you can point to does not do that. They pick the same plan and they run it for five years and they never change nothing. That needs to change. I think personally, I think coastal needs to start training every game like 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 it's win or lose. And you know what? In order for them to get 20 wins, they're going to have to win 10 straight games. Do I think they can do it? No. Here's the thing though, okay? If you go back to watch Last Chance U, LA, we didn't think they could win 10 straight games, but they didn't. And that team was in a, a way worse position than us. You look at the players on that team, they, they were in a way worse position than what we are. So it's not impossible. But the problem is we don't have the coaching staff to bring them together. And these players, 
they are not playing their best basketball. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, if that was the case, Antonio Day and Josh Udenjay would both be averaging 20. If that's the case, Jamaro Brown would be there dropping buckets too. If that was the case, Henry Henry would be taking charges like he did in the beginning of the season. Isam Mustafa, even though he's been playing good, don't get me wrong, will be doing a lot more. This whole team is not coming together. They're not playing at their best. And personally, I think that the, the coaches, A, need to motivate them. And B, I think the players need to start treating every single game like it's their last. Yeah, I, I think the, you gave a lot of really good kind of explanation for where we're at right now. And it's just, I think it is both. I mean, last year we criticized playing seven guys, but we can't really do that this year because now on this team, there are 11 guys averaging at least nine or 10 minutes a game. 11 guys. And I think now that's the problem is that there are these players don't have defined roles on this team. It kind of looks like they go out there and they freelance and they try to figure out who's got the hot hand. Not to say that you should force things, but like I feel like there should always be plays where if, if we're playing Jimmy Nichols that game, there should always be, I should always see him cut into the basket. But sometimes I just see them standing around the, the three point arc and they're not really looking like they have a purpose in there. And I think that's offensive purpose is severely lacking. The only two players that I feel confident on this team that I'm going to take Jamar Brown out of this right now because he hasn't been playing for whatever reason. Josh Uduje can score an isolation ball and Antonio Day can score an isolation ball, but he doesn't try to do it until the end of the game. In the App State game, he had two points going into like the final six minutes of the game. And then he had like 13 points to tie the game, force overtime and win overtime. Like it doesn't seem like these players have def- collaborated with the coaches enough and shown them in practice, or I don't know if that's the way that they're running practices. I don't know what's going on, but these players, the coaches, I feel like still don't know what these players can do. And I don't know that the players have been showing the coaches what they should be best used for, because it doesn't look like the coaches know what anybody's ability is. And, and the players don't trust each other's ability either. It's just, like I said, it's like you play 2K and it's just you're kind of passing the ball around the perimeter looking for somebody opening. Like Henry Abraham, I saw this this weekend. He's our best three-point shooter on the team right now. He's shooting 39% of the season. And this weekend he shot like 75% from three on catch-and-shoot balls. Use him in that role. Play him 15 minutes a game. Spot up and shoot. Do that. Josh Uduze, iso ball. Jimmy Nichols cut, but nobody does a certain thing. You never know what Jimmy Nichols is going to do on a given play. Is Josh Uduze just going to stand on the perimeter for 25 seconds, or is he going to have the ball in his hand and dunk on somebody? These players, and that's why I think it's hard to believe with 10 games left, that they're magically going to figure out how to put it all together. And I think that's where it comes down to coaching, is they have these guys that show flashes and they show that they can do certain things, but it has never come together in any way to look like a competent offense. So I said I was going to get on my soapbox later. I am dragging that thing out and it's down on the ground and I'm stepping up on it. Cliff Ellis can't coach basketball. And I think that his days have passed him. Is he one of the best college basketball coaches in the game? 20 years ago. Is his resume one of the best in college basketball history? Sure. You can make an argument that this guy is a basketball Hall of Famer. Is he the right coach for Coastal Carolina in the year of our Lord 20 and 23? No. He cannot be. 
Josh, you talked about the end of the games against Chicago State and, and UNC Wilmington, where he blew it. Him, not the players. No timeouts were used during that. We, we had, had no, timeouts to We didn't burn. even get a shot up. Yeah. yeah. We had timeouts to burn to win those games. Didn't get off the bench. Didn't didn't put his hands up. Didn't tell the players to call a timeout. Didn't call out a call a timeout himself. And we lost both of those games. The job oh, of I a... was trying to call a timeout in the uh, South Alabama game. I was trying to tell the ref timeout. Like everybody well, you, knew you would have been more useful than Cliff time. Ellis. Like, yeah, he was there when they finally cut a hole in the bottom of the basket, so they didn't have to go get it with a ladder. But like that doesn't mean that he's relevant now. I'm sorry. Like, it's time for Coastal Carolina to move on. And I know Coastal Carolina is a cash poor school. They can't, they probably can't afford Cliff Ellis's buyout. And it's the worst thing for me as a fan of a school and as as someone who's hopeful for where this program to be, to see them saddled with Emperor Palpatine like running this program what are we doing here it's gone it's over and you look at 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 the job that that our women's uh, basketball coach has done great job even coach jada last season turned that that thing around you look at uh guys that have left this program guys that should probably be the head coach here but are not, and they're head coaches at Tarleton State and are turning that program around. And we've got Cliff Ellis, and we're 10 and 10. And of those 10 wins, um, is it four or five of them that have come come against uh non-division one? Is it three? It's, it's only three. three. It's three. Yeah. It's so better than than I thought, but still. You're less than 500 against Division 1. 7 and 10 against Division 1. Yeah. In a conference that's weak as hell, too. Let's not sugarcoat things. The Sun Belt is awful. The Sun Belt has, historically, has zero chance of being a two-bid league. But about two weeks into November, it was written in stone that the Sun Belt was not getting two bids. That should be good news for Coastal Carolina. You should look at that and you should look at the pile of teams in the Sun Belt and go, we can do this. We've got the roster to win this tournament. We've got the talent to be the number two or three or one seed going into that tournament down in Florida. But instead, we keep wheeling out Cliff Ellis. Let's go get it today, boys. We got to do it. Do it for the Gipper. And it's like, enough. Enough. I'm done. Like, it's time for Matt Hogue to take the blinders off and see what's happening with his college basketball program. Cliff Ellis is not it. He never has been it. And because he made the tournament one time almost a decade ago, that's the last time Coastal Carolina was in the tournament. It was it was twenty fourteen, right, Josh? Uh they did it in fourteen and fifteen. Fourteen fifteen, yeah. Okay. So I was one year I yeah, thought it was yeah. thirteen, fourteen, it's fourteen, fifteen. Sorry. You're coming up on a decade of not making the tournament in 
a league that hasn't produced a good team in that span either. There have been no Sunbelt teams that have gone on an NCAA tournament run. So don't look at me and go, oh, well, this year we lost to Texas State, and they were just, oh, God, they made it to the Final Four. What are we going to do? No. Yeah, on that, there's been one NCAA tournament win for me, Sunbelt team, in the last 10 years. There you go. It's when Georgia State beat Baylor. Yep. There you go. So don't point at the Sun Belt and go, well, what are we going to do? They're just so much better than us. Our roster is talented enough to take down Visa teams and to win that Sun Belt tournament. But when you have a coach, and again, this is the job of a college basketball coach is to look at your players and say, listen, you guys were the best player on your high school basketball team. You all think you're LeBron, you're prime Kobe, you're the next AI, and, and I'm here to tell you you're not. But if you work in my system and you work well and you do the things that I can teach you and you stay in the positions that I teach you, we'll go far. That's the job of a college basketball coach. And Cliff Ellis simply isn't doing that right now. He's not putting this talented roster in a position to win. Period. Most of their wins, again, they're less than 500 against Division One opponents, have come in overtime. Which, fine, but Coastal Carolina hasn't had a blowout win all season against the Division One opponent. They've all been close games. They've all been a couple scores here and there. Which tells me you're not unleashing the talent of this roster. You're not putting players in a position to succeed. You're just getting lucky that they are. You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be in charge. And if you continue to be in charge, Matt Hogue needs to not be in charge either because that's incompetence on his part. It's time for big changes. And yes, I understand Coastal might not be able to afford his buyout. I might have to deal with 11 more games of Cliff Ellis because they're definitely not going to win a tournament game with him in charge. And like, that's just what it is. That's the reality of Coastal basketball right now. And it's embarrassing. It's it's totally embarrassing. I'll open the floor up to you guys. Is, is there anything else you want to add here? Um, I know it's hard to follow up my soapboxes like that. I always feel bad when I turn it back over to you guys. You all just look at me. Um, but if there's anything you want to add there before we move on to women's basketball, I'll, I'll open the floor up to you guys. Uh, the only thing I will add is to the fans is please support them like you did on Thursday. We have talented athletes on this team. We've got guys that want to win. They do, but they also respond a lot better when they see people actually caring about the product on the floor and caring that Coastal Carolina also has a basketball team. So please continue to show up like you did Thursday. That was the HCC Center's not big. It's tiny. Every seat is close to the floor, and I literally could not have a conversation. I was right under the baseline. I could. It, it's like a Cameron Indoor vibes. Like the walls, everything bounces off of. So please show up like as much as we talk about where they are now and how bad it's been, like somehow miraculously, they're two games out of first place. Like it still matters. Currently, they're not eliminated. They could still get a decent seed and they have five home games left. So that's my only message is please just show up and support the guys because a lot of guys like Jamar Brown and Antonio Day, this is their last season of basketball and the college level. So just 
show them what you did on Thursday because now I know you're capable. Now you can't fool me that it was just South Carolina. Now I know you can do it. So keep doing it. Yeah. And even if you just show up to watch the disaster that's unfolding, you're there and you're helping to prevent the disaster. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. Jordan, one last point here. Yeah. For, for Matt Hogue, I want him to really be thorough and to find somebody to replace Cliff Ellis. But I feel like they're going to give him his 1,000 wins and then they'll commemorate him and then he'll probably run off into the sunset. But for the next coach that comes to Coastal Carolina, I want there to be a thorough search by Matt Hogue and I want there to be somebody that can help lead this program to get us to not just one NCAA tournament in 10 years, like you said, Curtis. We need to get somebody that will consistently get us to the tournament, consistently fight for us in the Sun Belt tournament, somebody who can get us to where we need to be. And I think that we can do that, but I'm with you. I I, I completely agree with everything you said, and I think that Cliff Ellis needs to be on his way out. And he is a legendary coach in a lot of people's eyes, and he's done a lot for this university, but sooner or later you got to know when it's time for you to step down. And we'll turn it over to Mario, and then we'll uh, move on to women's basketball. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just it's just unfortunate, you know. I'm tired of seeing this team going seventeen and fifteen at best every single year. Like, I'm tired of seeing that. So honestly, right now, you know, like like Lord Palpatine's just keeping them all hostage, and it's, and, it's, and honestly, we're just playing like stormtroopers. You know what I'm saying? That's all we're doing. We're playing like stormtroopers. Troopers. And it's time for us, it's time for Palpatine or Cliff Ellis, whatever you want to say, it's time for him to turn into actual Sith Lords. That's what it's time to do. It's time to turn the ship around. Whatever analogy you want to use, whatever comparison you want to use, I don't care. It's time to turn this team around. That's the whole lesson of this story. It's time to turn, turn this thing around. It's time to stop trying to reach 17 and 15 and say, hey, you know what? That was a good season. It's time for us to actually go out there get some NCAA tournament bids, and it's time for us to start doing the impossible. And right now, the impossible is winning out. Like Curtis said, this is not a good, do I think they're going to do it? No. But you know what? Like Curtis said, it's not impossible to do because the Sun Belt is not a good conference. So you know what? If there's one if there's one, com- if there's one conference that you're going to be able to do it in, it's this one right here. So go out there and do it. Simple. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Let's move on to a more positive note. The women's basketball team under first-year head coach Kevin Peterson has been pretty good. I mean, they're not the best team in women's basketball. They're not going to beat South Carolina anytime soon. But they are improving. They are growing as a program. They are doing the right things. They're doing the things we wish the men's team would do. And I really think that this team has the potential to be Coastal Carolina's first NCAA bid since 2015 with the men's team. I think that they have the roster to win the Sun Belt tournament. I think they have the 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 coaching staff in place to to put them in the right place to win, and I think this team has a lot of promise. Josh, you've gone to most of the women's basketball games too. What are your immediate takeaways from this team? What what are the things that stand out to you? So first I wanted to point out how big of a game this is on Thursday. We host James Madison at the HTC Center, 
a team that we went and played at James Madison earlier this season, and granted that was back in December, and the teams looked a lot better since then, but we lost by almost 20. And that is the only thing standing between, I think, this team's chance at the NCAA tournament run and not making not making it out of the first weekend is James Madison is by far the best women's basketball team in the Sun Belt. They are 17 and 3, 7 and 1 in the Sun Belt and they've already beat us pretty bad back in December. So we get to host them on Thursday. We get a chance to climb to two games behind them if we win and we don't need to be number 1 seed in the Sun Belt. There's a we are a couple games back. We are one game back from being like the fourth seed. So we need to win this game on Thursday. And if we can, or if we even lose by four or five, that shows me that we've made improvement, that the improvement that I'm seeing is real and that we can compete with the top dog in the Sun Belt because that is what James Madison is. Like I mentioned, 17 and three is a tall task and they haven't lost a road game. So what can make me believe right now is if they, if they somehow beat James Madison on Thursday, uh, I think we will just only we will do full women's basketball episodes. Like, like if they can do that, that is the team. But yeah, real quick, they've been playing a lot better. They have an identity. Like this is one thing that, and I can get in on this later, but Jordan Newsom is a player that I think is fantastic. I've seen her in practice. I know what she can do, but for some reason she doesn't fit in with this system. They have barely been playing her, but you know what? They stick to it. They don't play her 10 minutes one day and then 30 the next day. They don't make her the primary. For whatever reason, they've made their decision about her and they use her the best that they can. She gets about eight minutes a game and she contributes when she does. But they have a clear defined role of what this roster is. Aaron Freeman's the primary ball handler. They have plays to get Asia Blunt the ball, who's having a hell of a season. And Deja Richardson is that player that we at the beginning of last year mentioned that we thought she could be. And for some reason she didn't play well last year, but they have a defined role. They have a point guard. They have a shooting guard. They have a center. They got forwards that stand on the wing, shoot the ball move that they have a competent offense and they seem like they have a purpose for every possession. So that is the big standout to me, regardless of the record, which albeit they're like nine and six in games against non power five opponents. So that's a lot better than the men. And yeah, I'm really excited about this Thursday game against James Madison. Yeah, I think that's a port an important asterisk to put on the nine and ten record is that they've gone out and scheduled legitimate teams. I mean, they played at South Carolina, who's been the best team in women's basketball for the past half decade. And even then they were one step behind UConn for the the, the decade before that. So they scheduled them. They scheduled at Georgia, at Kentucky at Wake Forest. They're playing legitimate teams. So you put an asterisk on that 9 and 10, and you go, ooh, that's less than 500. What are you talking about, an NCAA bid, blah, blah, whatever. But they're playing legitimate talent, and you see the results of that now. You see how well they play as a unit, how much of those games getting embarrassed by South Carolina 102 to 39 looks awful. But this team came out better for it. Jordan, this is an impressive team. Yes, they're nine and ten, like I just said, but this team has some potential. What what are you looking for at towards the end of this season? I'm looking for this team to continue to keep playing hard, like Kevin Peter, like Coach Peter Pedersen wants them to do. And I'm looking for them to keep making plays like they've been doing. You know, it's 
is something to see when, you know, just Gene is contributing, when you're seeing uh, Richardson contributing, when you're seeing Asia Blunt contributing. And I wish they would use Jordan Newsom more as well because, you know, Jordan Newsom, we all know what kind of a player she is. She can ball. She's a baller. She's a hooper. Um, but I just think that, you know, they, they play for their coach. They play for, for Pedersen, and I, I think that, he has really come in and, and changed the trajectory of this program in year one. And I think that, you know, going forward, I think that towards the end of the year, they're going to continue to keep getting better and they're going to keep getting some key wins. I think that this key win against James Madison would be huge going forward. I think that if they can get that win and then NCAA, not NCAA tournament, but the Sun Belt tournament, they can go into that and make a huge impact in that as well. This team could go to the NCAA tournament and, you know, sky's the limit for this team and sky's the limit for coach Pedersen because he's really come in and he's bought in on all these girls and all these, these girls are bought in on him. And I think that as long as you have a coach that comes in that works you like crazy and you come out and you work crazy for him, you know, good things will happen. And you see it with all these big programs with, you know, UConn and South Carolina, you see it with those coaches and the players that they have. So I think that for me going forward, I just want to see them continue to keep playing hard and get some key wins down the stretch and even into the Sun Belt tournament. I think if they can do that, sky's the limit going to the NCAA tournament for this team. Josh, I'm going to kind of turn this over to you. I've made most of my points on women's basketball. Um, you've got a couple of things you want to get to, and, and I'm sure Mario does too, but this is a, a spot where where you shine here uh, with your in-depth knowledge of the program. Yeah, so I just I just really quickly wanted to look at, at four players that he was able to like keep on this roster, that when he got here, he transferred here, and he got these four players to stay and just what they've been able to do under him. And and I also want to point out that Coach Robertson is actually – she gives the pregame speeches, and she he brought her from Lander. He brought his whole staff from Lander, and then Coach Ford from Clemson, who was a grad assistant. He brought this staff with him. They did it at the D2 level. They were winners, and that's all they exude is winning. But he also understands that when you lose, you need to learn from it to make sure it doesn't happen again. So I just wanted to shout out Coach Robertson and Ford because they've been – They've been huge in this as well. So Asia Blunt, we talked about her last year a couple times as an Esam like sometimes you feel like she's just kind of chucking shots at the rim. Like she's good because she's big. She It's like she transfers to Tulane because of the stats, but we don't know if that she'll play very well there because we don't think her game is really that polished. Well, what has Kevin Pedersen done with her game? 15 points a game, which is about what she was doing last year, saying about eight rebounds. But she's shooting 50% from the field. She's shooting 37% from a three. She's a legitimate three-point shooter. And then the thing that I think points it out to everybody else is 91% free throw shooter. Asia Blunt is our leading free throw shooter, shooting 91%. And she gets to the line a lot. She's put that up about 20 25% from last year. The strides that she's made, she has a real jumper now. She facilitates the ball a lot better. She just seems like a more crafted player, and she's definitely someone now that we can put our backs on, and we don't feel like she's just chucking shots at the rim. So she's been fantastic. Just Jean, he's been able to – she had 26 the other day. He's really been able to hone in what she can do. She can attack. She can hit the floater. She can hit the jumper. Like, 
she's made strides under him as well. DeAsia Richardson had like three points a game last year after being a preseason Sun Belt all team member. So I don't really know what happened with that, but she's been a spark plug. She takes charges. She fires everybody up. She can hit the three. Even when in the confidence that he just instills in these ladies, she'll shoot 10 threes a game if she's only hitting one. Like he knows that the percent will even out. He knows that he's got to trust his good players. So you can just see the confidence through them. They never get kind of lackadaisical with shooting. So, and then the last players I want to mention, Aaron Freeman's been a dog, four assists a game. She's one of our leading scorers now. She was someone that was timid under Jada, but now she attacks the rim. She shoots her shot when she's able to. And then finally, Anaya Barney's just a spot-up shooter. Something that she I wish she could play for the men's team. But I mean, I feel like me going through those five, like Barney's been huge. The first thing he was the first coach to reach out to her in the transfer portal. And now she's shooting almost 40% from three. She's a freshman. So she's gonna be getting buckets around here for a while. So just those five players, and that's pretty much the starting five. And he's made, you've seen improvements in every single one of their games from last year, especially getting those four to stay with him and buy into this program. That's really what it is. They're completely bought into his program, and they have all made real skill developments in their game. And I think that's, I don't think, I know that that's different from the men's game because every single one of these players is making skill improvements in their game that you can visibly see. And it translate. Yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest difference between these two programs is is the women's team is at a certain level at the beginning of the season and now they're higher than that level. The men's team was at a certain level coming into the season and now they're at it or below it, and that's the difference coaching makes. Mario and this Coach women- Pedersen, real quick, he he kept less roster turnover as a new coach than Cliff Ellis did. He came into this program and kept more of the roster together. You know, that's something that I didn't think about, but you're right. Yeah. The names that you just listed off of like the five players who have improved the most were guys that were, excuse me, girls that were on the team last year. Five of our top six players were all here last year. And how many of the basketball players on the men's team came back? Two? Like three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're having a good time. Mario, I'll turn it over to you before we wrap up this episode. Does this women's team have a legitimate shot to bring the NCAA, uh, an NCAA tournament appearance to Conway? I know the game will be in Conway, but bring a banner that we can hang at the start of next season. I'm going to be honest. This year, don't get me wrong, uh, what Coach Patterson has done has been amazing. Josh has talked about how he has transition a lot of these women's games and a lot of and a lot of the women on this team how he transitioned their games and how he's changed them this year i'd say no this year i'm gonna say no like i don't think they go out that they win the sub belt championship i don't think they go to the ncaa tournament that's just me personally even though they're doing a, a great job they're still nine and ten and then obvious and then and then honestly if i gotta be real i don't see like a consistent base going on right now However, year two is really when I'm going to start asking Coach Pedersen to pick it up. You know, even even like towards the end of the season, I'm going to ask, I would ask him to start gaining some consistent wins. Like he'll hit like three, he'll have like three wins and then he'll have like a loss and then he'll have like three losses and then a win. You know, like I would like to see more of a consistency because a lot of the games we're watching, they are close games, but then somehow towards the end, it seems like it kind of slows down a little bit and the, and the team does, and the other team does enough to win. And that's the only thing that annoys me is because they do put up a fight, 
the our, our team does put up a fight no matter whether win or lose. They do look like they are trying out there and they're putting up a fight. But there's been games too where it's been a little too close. The women kind of slowed down and then the other team did enough to win. And those are the games that annoy me the most. But I don't think it's going to happen this year. However, I do expect him to make a big difference come year two, year three, year four. But the future is looking bright for them. It really is, you know, especially with Coach Pedersen. I remember, I remember talking to uh, Matt Hogue when he first hired when he first hired her because he was a he was our teacher if you remember Curtis. And then you kind of abandoned me in that class. Thanks for that. But um, I asked him. I was like, "So what's this new coach like?" And he was like, "He has so much energy. He's like, he's like, he's amazing. Great personality. Everything like that." And at first, I was thinking, I was like, oh, he's probably just saying that or whatever." And then. You can tell, like, you can tell the energy is there. You can tell the type of energy who he holds just by how his players play. You can tell the personality he has just by the way the players are playing. Because they didn't play like this, like, last year. Like, like Deja's always been, like, a very expression person. But you look at her last year compared to this year, that's a completely different story. Like, you look at her attitude, the confidence, it's insane. So I do think the future is bright. I do challenge him to finish strong in those games where it's a close game opposed to just slowing down towards the end and then and then the other team just makes a run I do encourage him to kind of close out strong with these close games because those are the ones that are hurting us obviously like we've had some like blowout losses against like Georgia Kentucky um and all those obviously we're six and four in the last 10 games which is cool but I want to I want us to pick it up just a little bit more but overall I do think that the future is very bright for coastal women's basketball. And I wouldn't be surprised if I do see a banner in the next two, three years at HTC. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a legitimate, you know, reality. It's, it's funny how these two programs are headed in two completely different directions. The, the women's team is on the up and up and the men's team should be looking for a new head coach. Sorry, but yeah, it's great. It, it, it's great for this women's team. It's great for this university. And and it'll bring good things to this university when our women's team is competitive and fun and exciting. And our men's team has a coach who didn't kill dinosaurs with his first breath. You know, just things. The force has been pretty old. It's been pretty ancient. Listen... I, I listen. I'm not ageist. It's 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 just funny. It's just funny that like we have this man who's been coaching since you know he graduated college in 1975, and he's still our coach and has been for nearly two decades. I don't hate the man. I don't. I don't wish ill on the man. I just want to know what it was like when he watched the first fish crawl out of the ocean. That's just that's all I want to know. <laughs> oh. oh goodness, we have a lot of fun on this show. This was this was good to get back to it. But uh with that, I'll go ahead and wrap it up. Follow us on Instagram at Shant Show on uh Twitter at the Shant Show. Uh we have we're putting out a lot of good content on both of those places, so so hit us up there. And, uh, you know, we'll see you real soon. This was uh, too much fun to not do another one real quick. So, uh, Sean's up. Fire Cliff Ellis.